Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I interviewed today's guest, Christina Geist, a while back. Her new book, which just came out, is called Sorry Grownups, You Can't Go to School. And her first book was Buddy's Bedtime Battery, which was fantastic and essential if you're trying to get your kids to sleep. I originally interviewed Christina thinking it would go on my kids' podcast, which I've put on hold for the time being. It was called Kids Do Have Time to Read Books, and I... It's now on hold because I just don't have time to do everything. So I'm bringing Christina's episode onto Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Uh, pick up Sorry Grownups, You Can't Go to School. It's a perfect back-to-school type book. So um, definitely check that out, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks so much to my sponsor, Libro FM. Libro FM Audiobooks lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including many New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you get the same audiobooks at the same price as other audiobook companies, but you're going to be part of a much different story, one that supports the community. You can even choose which local bookstore you'd like to support, which is so cool. Listeners of my podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Just go to Libro.fm, ro.fm and enter code Zibby, Z-I-B-B-Y. With every time you listen to an audiobook, now you can be proud that you're supporting a local bookstore. And the best part is that I have my own playlist on Libro FM, which is so cool. So the books that have been on my podcast and that I'm recommending are now in my own playlist. If you go to Libro FM slash playlists, you can find it, which is so great. So welcome, Christina. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We've been chatting for like half an hour and I feel like I could talk to Christine all day. So we're going to structure this now for the podcast. <laughs> yes, we have to actually turn the microphone on at some point. <laughs> so I've just read your bio. You do a million things, two big jobs, boombox gifts, company, branding, two kids. How do you manage your time and when do you accomplish everything? And I know it's not all at once and things happen, but yeah. I need I need some secrets. Okay. <laughs> well, first of all, I, I think the first thing for me is timing and life is a long game. And all of these things don't happen at the same time. They happen sequentially. So if I were to go back and talk to myself in my 20s, I would tell her to just do exactly what she's doing and to kind of like use your 20s to learn and like have your eyes and ears open and really absorb as much as you can. And then for me, my 30s were about starting my family. And that was a whole journey in and of itself and kind of self-discovery and awareness. And now my 40s have become this sort of like renaissance in my career that I needed all those other things to happen in order for the three hats I wear now professionally to actually work. And so I think first and foremost, like moms in particular, but women in general, we tend to like look at someone we think is awesome and then kind of like beat ourselves up in return or like doubt ourselves or question ourselves or we either do that or we look at someone we think is awesome. Not to say that I'm awesome, but I'm just saying this as a cultural phenomenon that I, think I you're recognize awesome. it's in okay. myself. <laughs> you're awesome. But I look at someone that I think like, oh my God, that's so cool. She's doing all these things. And then I feel myself say, well, like, you know, she must have like two nannies. Or there's no way she's ever making dinner. Or like, you know, maybe she's not working out five times a week. Or like, and I look for the thing that must be wrong, right? Like she can't be doing all of this without some kind of consequence. And I think culturally as women, we do that. We do it subconsciously. We observe someone doing a lot of stuff and we then like talk ourselves into the things she must not be doing mm-hmm. because she's doing all these other things. And like, I see it. I, I see it because I sort of tend to do it myself. So I think you know, there's a lot in that as women that we need to sort of let go of. But I also see this like wonderful thing where we're celebrating each other in ways like you are here, which is so cool. So the question of how to do it all, for me, it's like I wake up each morning and I look at that day and I try to make forward motion on like each aspect of my life or my jobs, which right now I sort of have three. They're like three pots on the stove. They're not all boiling at the same time. One of them's not even turned on some days, but I try to make forward motion on the things that need it most that day. And then that's enough for that day. And try not to see like a week out or be stressed about the thing that's happening next week. Or even for me, there's a thing happening tonight. I'm not thinking about that yet because this morning I was thinking about this. And it's like compartmentalization for me. Do you ever like structure out your time? Or is it more yeah. is it more just in theory? Like do you say this, this, that? You know I, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I do have like a whole to-do list process where I found a couple years ago that I tend to absorb information best if I write it by hand. Mm-hmm. I write best when I'm typing, but I absorb best if I write by hand. And so I was writing my to-do list out by hand. I would take a plain piece of paper from the printer and I would write in four corners. I would write True Geist, which is my branding 
and strategy firm that I run with a guy named Todd True. It's not all about me, True Geist. <laughs> it is truly his name. So I'd write True Geist in one corner. I'd write Boombox in another. I'd write books in one corner, and I'd write life in another corner. So what happened is all the to-dos were segmented into these four corners. What happened then is I never felt successful. The list only got bigger, and then it would turn into like, you know, the the whiteboard in Homeland where she's got like <laughs> just like crazy scary stuff yes. all over the place because I would just constantly be adding it to it yeah. and nothing was taken away. It also didn't allow me to prioritize that thing at life right now, which is make the kids doctor's appointments before school gets out and you can't get a doctor's appointment. That's actually more important mm-hmm. than writing the client memo that morning. And so if it's down in the bottom corner, it never actually gets to take priority over the thing it needs to take priority over that day. So I started to do this just in a Word document on my laptop. And when I open my laptop, I move things around in one list and it's mixed together. So life and work are mixed together because that's how we live. And if it's the most important thing is to sign up for camp, this morning, I put it at the top and I give it the space it deserves in my mind. And when it's halfway done, I put a strike through through it. And when it's all the way done, delete. It goes away. And so then I'm constantly copying and pasting things to the top that are at the top right now for the next half hour or the next hour. So like you're at the top of my list today because this is time that's spent and good time So if I don't write it down, it it doesn't get what it deserves, which is a big chunk of time, right? And then you only feel guilty about the stuff that's in the bottom corner of the list that you didn't get to. Interesting. So I figured that out like a year and a half ago because I felt like I was failing all the time. I love that. I'm going to try that. I can't say it works every day. No, I know, but I But it helps me. I'm like you too. I have to write everything by hand, but then I have to type... Yeah. My, I know, I'm the same. And it's like a mess. Yeah. And you see it. Everyone has a system with this like scrolling list in yeah. their phone. I've become more interested lately in people's systems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. Because I'm like, how is everybody doing it? They're when, not. You, when you said a minute ago, like you think about what the moms or the other people who are accomplishing things, you know, I look at you and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's writing children's books and she's running this company and da da da. Like when you say, oh, well, she must not go to the gym or whatever. That may be true. Like, I don't know that there's anything wrong with that necessarily. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Like, you can't, like, someone told me, you know, pick three things. Like, you can't do everything. Correct. Right? Like, I used to work out all the time. Now I don't work out all the time. Like, right. this is not the time where I'm, you know, exploring 100 new gym classes. Like, totally. Like, yeah. Because I'm working on this or whatever. Right. And it'll come at another point. But you can't do everything all the time. I think that's okay. Totally. Right? Yes. I don't know. Yes. Anyway, we're getting off of, I mean, this isn't really a book, but this is. Anyway. Sorry. I no, know. no. I mean, I think. Whatever. I'm a real talker. Warning to the listeners. No, who doesn't want real talking? I, guess you I want mean, a talker on a podcast. I, I think. <laughs> are you kidding? I told you already. I could talk to you all day long. So as a branding expert, you had to figure out your own brand, right? You have yeah. your True Geist website and who you are. Like, what are some of the key characteristics you wanted to convey when you when you think about yourself as a brand? Yeah, I mean, I think in, like this is the world we live in right now, right? So like the Instagram era is like you are, everyone's a brand mm-hmm. and you can see it in kids that are like starting in this world. It's like you're, it's kind of scary in a way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't join really any social media. I was on Twitter because my husband works in television and he works in news and that's kind of the format people follow. So a long time ago, I joined Twitter just basically to like understand what to spy on him a little bit and see like (laughs) into that world. And then I had to uh, uh, embrace Instagram and Facebook when I launched True Geist and when I launched Boombox because that's how brands are built 
these days. And so in doing that, I really kind of thought, all right, when you look at a lot of it, it does give you this sense of like, someone said to me in a business meeting, Instagram is puppies and flowers, you know, and there's no crying on Instagram. Everybody's perfect. So I think there's like these two sides of the fence. Like either people are like totally in these, you know, nirvana kinds of worlds of everything looks beautiful and perfect, or they take the opposite direction and are super revealing behind the scenes of everything that's like, you know, going wrong or like, you know, mom fails or that kind of stuff. And for me, I don't live in either of those worlds. I kind of just live in my own in the middle. So I feel like if you see me, on social media, you should be seeing the same me that you will see right here talking to me. And so I try not to say anything publicly that I wouldn't say to you right here, right now. And I try not to depict my life in any way that's dishonest. And I also try not to overshare my kids' stories because those are theirs to share when they're old enough and their decision to make. So my kids are certainly a part of that world. And it's hard, especially with my husband's position in television, it becomes difficult to completely cut your children off from the way that your life is shared publicly. And that was a big transition for us, particularly when he joined the Today Show, because that's just a different type of television show than Morning Joe is. And there is a lot more of your own life that makes its way into that world. And we both kind of had to figure out how to adapt to that. And where do you see our kids and where don't you? But that's a conscious decision for me in the way that my brand is I hate to say my brand, no, but, but it's like my brand is out there as myself mm-hmm. and it's not my children's brand. That's up to them. And when they're old enough, you know, God forbid I'm dreading it, but when they're old enough, it will be their story to craft and mine should be mine. Of course, they're a part of that, but I want to give them some freedom to have control over their own narrative which I think is a, a button that we've pushed a lot in our generation of parenting, that I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how, as technology develops and as our children develop, because we're all new to this, yeah. like kind of what the pathway looks like for them. And we really don't know yet. Yeah, I'm like terrified. I am a little bit too, <clears throat> yeah. Boombox gifts. So I was just saying, I can't believe I haven't heard of this. This is going to be our new sponsor, and it, it's the coolest thing. You make memory boxes, you can collaborate with someone else. There are these beautiful keepsake items. Tell me more about how you started. How did you come up with the idea for this company? Sure. And yeah, so Boombox was born when my big sis from my sorority in college, I went to Vanderbilt University, and Amy, who was my big sis in our Cayo sorority house, you know, kind of classic Southern school experience, she was the first of my friends to turn 40. And this is exactly five years ago now. And we live all over the country, went to school in the South, and now everybody lives elsewhere. And we were gathering for her birthday and decided to get a jewelry box from, at the time, Sea Wonder, which is now oh, yeah. I loved out of Wonder. business. But I they know. had these beautiful lacquer jewelry boxes that yeah. were monogrammed, and they were kind of rectangular in shape. And my friend Kristen in Chicago said, why don't we get one of these with an A on it, and we'll try to collect messages, 40 messages for her birthday. And I sort of raised my hand, because I'm kind of the crafty, creative one in my group of friends, and I was home not working at the time, and I had some free time. And I said, I'll take it. I can do it. And there's a Sea Wonder down the street. So I'll go grab the box, and I'll do this. I set out over my 1997 
Yahoo email account, which I still use. It's like a time capsule. It's amazing. And I just tracked down as many people as I could in her life. All of a sudden, I was privy to these messages from her two older brothers in Alabama who are not the most emotive guys, her parents, her first boss, her neighbors in Nashville who, you know, I've known her. She's a very close friend of mine, but I don't know her day-to-day friends. All of a sudden, I'm getting to know them, her beloved high school friends who I did know a little bit, but getting their notes made me so happy because I knew how it was going to make her feel. So the boom is kind of twofold. You feel a boom as a gift giver collaborating behind the scenes for this person. And then, of course, it was a huge pain in the neck to try to print all these cards, get them in the box, make them look pretty, and get on the plane and bring it to her for the 40th birthday weekend. But we watched the slideshow once, and she read this box again and again and again and again. And that weekend, we were on our way to dinner, and my maiden name is Sharky, so my college friends call me Shark. And in the taxi, Kristen, the same one in Chicago, who really it was had been her idea, was like, this is a thing. Shark, this should be your thing. And I said, you're right. This could be my thing. So a month later, I made a box for my dad. He turned 70. He'll be 75, Memorial Day weekend. And I found a watch box and did the same process. That one really blew me away because we were tracking down his college roommates. He went to Yale in the 1960s before women were admitted to Yale. I mean, these like, (laughs) amazing. Oh my God, we have so much in common. so So we really tracked down a lot of people in my father's life. And that just kind of blows you up to know how that's going to make him feel. So they were sort of boombox number one and number two, but this is long before it was a business, but I knew it was something powerful. And I just kept making them for friends. And about a year later, I said, okay, I'm going to make this happen. And I hired a web developer and said, how can I build this? Why isn't there any technology to help us do this? Yeah. So my analogy for boombox is that it's like if paperless post and iPhoto and the best toast you ever gave had a baby, it would be a boombox. And all those things are kind of combined into this beautiful experience. The company's now three and a half years old, and we've made thousands and thousands of boxes for people from all aspects of life, from birth to a memorial and everything in between. So if that's my life's work, I'll be totally happy. That's so amazing. Thanks. Can the people, if I'm a part of someone else's boombox, yes. like if someone's making a boombox for a girlfriend of mine and I send in a toast, do we all get to see all the stuff or just the gift, just the recipient? Just the gift giver and the recipient because of privacy, right? So you may write something deeply personal and emotional to your friend that you don't necessarily want her sister to see digitally. So the gift giver is kind of the project manager. The gift giver is the customer. And they interact with a dashboard mm-hmm. that looks a lot like a paperless post dashboard. Yeah. People are RSVPing to a party. Well, instead of collecting RSVPs, you're collecting messages and photos, sort of like a digital dashboard. So that gift giver can see all of that content. They proof all the card layouts in five by seven format in our design genie. They give us comments and feedback. We print everything and we pack it up. Certainly, sometimes the recipient will get the box and then it'll be out at the party and people can leaf through it. They can get an electronic PDF of all the card layouts. If they want to share that, it's perfectly up to them. But we would never share it. Right. Just because of privacy issues. I was was wondering about the digital piece. That's so cool. I cannot wait to start making these. Well, now I don't want everybody to know in a part because now my friends are going to get this box. But anyway, so... That's okay. They'll still love it. (laughs) They'll still love it. That's true. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So your two children's books, Buddy's Bedtime Battery, and now the, your latest one, Sorry Grownups You Can't Go to School, are so great. I mean, Buddy's Bedtime Battery my little guy is four and a half years old and I've been reading it to him every day. And I, my husband calls my kids, Oh buddy and Peabody, my it's big amazing. kids. And then in here it was row buddy. And we were like, <gasps> that's <laughs> anyway, crazy. I know it's so great for so many reasons. Like, the illustrations are so great. They're, it's so visual. The message, it's about like a boy. Well, maybe you should say what it's about, but it's like a perfect wind down at the end of the day yeah. with the tone and like, the melody almost of the words and the sense of humor to it. And it's just so great. How did you end up writing Buddy's Bedtime Battery? Yeah, thank you. Um, it's the first story I wrote. And for me, the challenges came with bedtime when our kids transitioned to big kid beds. So in my imagination, Buddy's about three and a half. I don't know how old you guys thought he was without me telling you that, but he's about three and a half and his sister, Lady, is five and three quarters. Not that anyone asked. <laughs> but yeah, so bedtime for us was really challenging in those toddler years when they're out of a crib and they're sort of too young to be in a bed and they're like wandering around the house. And the bedtime stories are all about putting other things to sleep. So, like, I love Good Night, Good Night Construction Site, but Good Night, Good Night Construction Site is about the construction site, mm -hmm. not about the, the sleeper, the little person who's reading. And same with Good Night Moon. You know, everything in the room is going to sleep. And that's kind of the typical format of a bedtime story. They're either like that, you're either tucking other things into bed, or they might capture the frustration of the parent. So dinosaur versus bedtime mm -hmm. is like, it's, it's a struggle, right? There's a conflict there. And even the little critters, I loved those, those little critter oh, yeah, books. I love those. There's yeah. one called Just Go to Bed, <laughs> you know? And the dad's like losing his mind. And we read like, that all the yeah. time. Yeah, and it's fun, but they're conflict-based, mm -hmm. right? And there mm -hmm. wasn't sort of like this thing in between, which is a technique called progressive muscle relaxation that I learned in a high school wellness class, believe it or not, where you, you know, kind of wiggle your toes and then you release them. Same with your knees. You move up your body from toes to your head and you like stress a muscle and then you relax it and you gradually sort of turn your body off. And it's like a stress management technique. It's a relaxation technique. It's a real thing. And I had sort of come to it throughout the course of my life if I couldn't sleep, which is rare for me. I'm a good sleeper. But like every now and then I would sort of remember that from high school and use it. So here I was with like toddlers popping out of bed. And just one day, it was, it was my daughter who's the older one. I just sort of started to like beep, 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 like turn off her little joints and little parts of her body to help her comprehend that this is done. Like we've read enough books. You're not going to pop out again. This is done. And so that's kind of where the idea was born. 
was that notion of we're done. We've turned you off now. And of course, it doesn't work all the time, but it's, I look at it as just like another tool in your toolbox and we could Everybody all use needs, more tools. Yes, I, like as many <laughs> people can add to my toolbox is great. Yeah. <laughs> and what about Sorry Grownups, You Can't Go to School? This is your latest book. Yeah. So Sorry Grownups was written about the same time. I mean, I wrote these when my kids were three and five. By the time this book comes out, they'll be 10 and 12. And Sorry Grownups for me was inspired by obviously the going off to school process and for me off to preschool in particular or off to even summer camp. Mm-hmm. When my kids were three and one, there was a little camp program that was lovely that my daughter, three years old, could go to for a few hours in the morning. And we were out at my in-law's house on Long Island. And so I was there with my in-laws and who we call Jojo and Bumpa. And one morning I put a backpack on and said, sorry, Bumpa, you can't go to camp, you know, and sorry, Jojo, you can't go to camp. And I was like, but I can go to camp. And Lucy's like, no, you can't. You can't go to camp. So sorry, mommy, you can't go to camp. And like establishing this like little chant for her that then she'd like puff up like a little, you know, kind of peacock and go to camp, right? And it was all about like rejecting all of us, even the dog. And so with back to school books, I feel like a lot of them follow the three S format. Someone's sad or shy or scared. In a lot of off-to-school books, like The Kissing Hand is a beautiful book, mm-hmm. but it's like makes me weep, mm-hmm. you know? And Llama Llama is mm-hmm. shy or scared. And, and sometimes even the teacher is the one that turns out to be scared. And isn't that funny? But right. somebody is shy, sad, or scared. And I needed the book that was not about those emotions, that didn't even mention those emotions. It was all about kind of like empowerment and the kids rejecting the grown-ups who are trying desperately to go to school because those were the kinds of strategies of flipping things upside down that would work best for me as a mom. So in this case, everybody's trying to go to school and the refrain is, sorry, grown-ups, you can't go to school. Only kids and teachers, only kids and teachers. And that repeats throughout the book. So by the time I get to the third only kids and teachers, only kids and teachers. I was just reading in a kindergarten classroom at PS87 on Monday. They're all kind of like, you know, moving their shoulders and like kind of like chanting it along with me. So it's pretty fun. It's too bad you can't include some sort of like DVD or something because I didn't know I was supposed to chant it that way. That's not the way I was reading it out loud. Yeah, to the yeah. Kids. That's the struggle with picture books. Is Are like, you doing, do, they don't do really like audible picture books. They like, don't, but because do we a, have social media. You like do a YouTube something, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I do notice when, I noticed that when Buddy came out three mm-hmm. years ago that all of a sudden I heard other people reading it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, that's not how I read it. Mm-hmm. But you then have to accept that your idea becomes someone else's. Right. And maybe that's okay. Maybe yeah. they read it a certain way and it's not the way I read it. But in my mind, when I write, I write it in my voice and it's my voice like this out loud. Mm-hmm. So it is a bit of an adjustment with a picture book to realize that you're putting it out there in the world and other people are going to take it and give it a voice that might not be your own. Interesting. But yeah, I will definitely do something audio-based yeah. because— Because even the kids would love to listen to that. Yeah. Like, this is the author, and she's reading, and listen to how she reads the character. You know, they would yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah, and it's fun, and I get to tell them kind of some of the secrets behind the book, too. Yeah. 
So that's what we do when I visit a classroom. So I sort of show them behind the scenes and how the sketches are made and the process of collaboration. And You have to come to my kids' schools then. I will. Absolutely. Yeah, I love Um, it. So you said you wrote 12 of these stories? Yeah. I mean, I think— All at once. uh, Yeah. I had like this like kind of sprint, you know, we call in like the design world like or the web development world, this like creative sprint. And I had about— I think I had like 10 manuscripts with me in a Word document. That's kind of how you, with a picture book, you just put it in a Word document. Unless you are the illustrator, you don't illustrate out of the gate. And really just wanted somebody to read them and tell me what they thought. Is there anything here? And that was a long journey, but it got me one day into Random House, into my editor's office, where she sort of picked up the manuscript for Buddy, and said, this is ready to go. And I said, what do you mean by that? I had no idea how these picture books get made. I had really just wanted to have coffee with someone who makes them to understand the process so I could put myself at the beginning of the road and and go down it. Mm -hmm. And here I was being told, this one is ready to go. And so I ended up selling a manuscript. And then the question was, well, what about the rest? Are they a series? Do they have to be bundled together? Do they have to go this way or that way? And I was like, look, you're the experts here. I'm going to let you go, and I'm not going to be super prescriptive about my artistic vision. And let's get a book made and have some fun and kind of let me learn about this process as it happens. So Sorry Grownups is definitely a companion story to Buddy because they're the same brother and sister. They're a bit older now. They're about two years older. So in this one, I see Buddy as a kindergartner and ladies in second grade. And I have many more about them. I think ultimately it'd be great to have a third and to kind of round out this little collection with one more title, which I have a couple in mind that are from that original collection. Can you give a preview of some of the other topics you yes, tackle? Yeah. Is it like all the kid, is, do you have like an eating, something mealtime? Well, so one, the one I think when I sort of describe a few of the ideas to mm-hmm. kids, they love this one, which is Lady Breakable versus Dr. Destructo. And mm. it's like my version of the sibling rivalry moment where Lady is having this gorgeous, absolutely ornate tea party in her room and with mom whose name is Princess Pantyhose. (laughs) And then Buddy comes in from karate, and he's Dr. Destructo, and the door slams, and there's this rivalry on either side of the door, let me in, let me in. And the parents, you know, using their cell phones to negotiate this peace accord through the bedroom door, calling back and forth, and, you know, the negotiation there that happens very regularly when you have small kids in small New York City apartments or really anywhere else is like this kind of, don't come into my world, this Mm -hmm. is my imagination world. So that's kind of the companion in that it's more about ladies' imaginary world, where Buddy's bedtime battery is, is Buddy's imaginary world as a little robot. But it sounds like now you've gotten to know the market really well, like being able to say the three S's of children's going to school books. And like you, you have some sort of market awareness now of the children's world, obviously, from being in it. Actually, it's really just from being a reader. I don't— Really? Yeah. Like that's my perception— Well, because in my real job at True Guys, that's what I do is like I look at a category of things and then sort of drill it down to its simplest form for a client and then figure out what's the storytelling or the brand strategy to break into that world. So that 3S format, I just sort of observed it on my own. I don't actually get a lot of data from... 
I probably could, if I had more time, like really immerse myself in the children's publishing industry as an analyst Mm -hmm. and look at it that way. But sometimes the analysis inhibits the creativity. Mm. So I don't know. Sometimes knowing too much, like it doesn't get you the idea. Right. And so, you know, I had an idea on the elevator this morning for just like a simple story that's just like, and I don't know if this is out there, but it's like, that's a good idea. And the next page is, ooh, that's a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) And you can just imagine the pictures, Uh right? And like all these stories and little bit, there's like, there are no words on the page other than good idea. Ooh, bad idea. (laughs) And it's like the stuff that is happening like every day. So that may not involve Lady and Buddy. That may be a different idea altogether. It could, though. Yeah. But so these things I tend to just kind of like jot down. Or my my nephew turned five a few weeks ago, and I thought, oh, my God, wouldn't it be funny if Billy, now that he's five, he can speak dog. (laughs) And all of a sudden, he can talk the same language as the dog, right? And wouldn't it be funny to have this idea of, now that I'm a big kid, I can do this. And you say, no, you can't speak like a dog, Mm -hmm. but you can do this. You know, learn to tie your shoe or pack your own backpack. Like these things that like are kind of in this imaginary, like amped up world of things you might be able to do when you're big. And then the reality of the thing you can do, but it's still awesome. And like that juxtaposition could be really fun. So those are things that just start to like percolate. And I put them down in my phone in like a notes page. And then I'll either sit down and write that or it'll sit there for a while and not maybe go anywhere, but maybe someday it will. You know. Do you have? You must have an agent who's helping you. I just got an agent. You didn't have? Oh, because you just met w- with the Random House. So. Yeah, so it was weird. I got these first two. I, I sold Buddy's Bedtime Battery in like about two years before it actually hit bookstores because the artwork process and the, and the illustration process takes a long time. And then after Buddy was out and did well, I was able to sell the next manuscript. So it's sequential. I, I don't see. have I like see. a okay. three book deal or any of that kind of stuff. And that's with the same publishing house, with Random House again, my same editor, Maria, mm-hmm. who's lovely. And then now I will release Sorry Grown Ups this summer and then kind of say, okay, what might come next? Mm-hmm. So it's part of the reason why it's, I'm capable of doing all these jobs is because I am not writing every single day and I'm not promoting a book every single day. And so I just got an agent about a month ago and we'll think about children's ideas, but maybe we'll think about other ideas too because she kind of spans. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to do something with all of your branding expertise and Obviously, you have this ability to sort of take everyday life and make it into art and make it really relatable and like connect people through it, right? You see the opportunities, like you were saying, even just in moments throughout the day, like it would be great to have some sort of advice thing for parents or for people looking to do more branding for themselves or even like the Instagram branding you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, let let me just suggest some more books for you. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I mean, I think it's weird because I've never seen myself as an authority on anything. So I sort of shy away from like But the, that's what's so great. It's That's your tone. Like that's what's, like when people are too prescriptive, I think it's off-putting sometimes. Like yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. That, you know, because yeah. no one knows what they're doing. No, and I don't really know what I'm doing either. I've just been lucky that like I have a forum for ideas in like all three of my jobs. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while in life to actually like look myself in the mirror and be like, oh, you're creative. Like that's actually your 
thing mm-hmm. that you should be doing. Because I think if you're good at project management or you're good at other things, you can just do them because mm-hmm. you're good at them. But the thing you're supposed to be doing is maybe the like the pathway that's a little curvier, mm-hmm. that takes a little longer to get to. So I don't know that I have a playbook that I could ever map out for anyone else. I think if there's any like one singular thing that's like my message in life is to like use your words mm. and that you know, your words are really powerful and you should use them. And you can in a lot of different ways, especially in this world and culture that we live in. Thank you. I have so much more to ask, but I think our time is up. So thank you for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to Christina Geist's episode. Her book is Sorry Grownups, You Can't Go to School. Uh, You can buy it through my Amazon Influencer Store, available on zibbyowens.com. And through my Instagram accounts, please follow me at zibbyowens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you. Thanks again to my sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 